I can't really tell by your background. There's a lot of pink. Are yes, we starting so, with Barbie well, you, or Oppenheimer. No, this is a combination. This is Barbenheimer. No, you see the we can't, we explosion. Can't do that. Of you know, pink. the last double feature we had had like 13 downloads. This has got to be split. Well, you see, Mike, <laughs> this is so I only have to pick one background for both episodes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, but there was a lot of discussion, right, about what uh, what you should watch first. Right. If you're going to double feature it in one day, like a totally (laughs) insane, damaged person, what should be the order? And it seemed like the consensus was Barbie, brunch, Oppenheimer, depression, I think was the order. I would say no to all. all, I mean, maybe not the brunch part or the Barbie, but uh, yeah, Oppenheimer is the the finisher. I don't I don't know. Don't you? I'm thinking more like, um, you know, Oppenheimer, you have a nice meal. You start to drink a little bit, be a little tipsy, <laughs> then you go into Barbie. Yeah, I like it. You know, I like it. I like some it. Some deep so... discussion with Oppenheimer and then some <laughs> yes. fun. Then your dessert with Barbie. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So, of course, like, you know, this is the ultimate cinema is back weekend, apparently. Mm. The fourth biggest opening weekend of all time. Of course, you know, that's pumped up a little bit by ticket prices, I'm sure. But still but pretty impressive. But also the other three. All franchise openers, two Avengers right. sequels, and then mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. seventh Star Wars movie. So, I don't right. know. We've not seen this before. I don't. I don't think. And yes, Barbie is an icon, and uh, sure, yeah. but it's um, <laughs> is the equivalent the Mario Brothers movie where it's like it's been around a long time, but they just haven't really. We've uh, never done know. anything good ever. Yeah, it, so. as far as a filmed adaptation, so it's new ish, and it's I mean, Greta Gerwig too. You know, Bob Hoskins, R.I.P. and all, but uh, not not a quality movie, that original Did Mario Did you buy Brothers. into any of that bullshit that there's, well, actually, there's a lot of fans of that 19, what, 93 Mario Brothers movie, the live it's action? No. Stupid. It's a bad movie. I was a kid when that came out. I didn't <laughs> yeah. like it then. It I knew rejected. it was. It was maybe one of the first movies where you knew, like, oh, there are bad movies. Uh, yes. There are movies I don't enjoy. So... I guess then, Mike, we should start with the dour, long. I may be wrong when it comes to podcasts <laughs> because <laughs> we may want to start with the fun. But sure, let's do Oppenheimer because in some countries, in free countries, Florence Pugh is <laughs> naked. This is a national emergency. Didn't need a charge. in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. They have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. We don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? 
How about because this is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... You can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. Truman needs to know what's next. Two, what's next? One. That's right. Naked. That's right. I just had to send Mike a clip of uh, apparently in some countries they CGI a black dress on her. Awful. When she's supposed to be naked. Disgusting. Why can't we, we have it. nice things everywhere? Exactly. Exactly. Every, part of the world. Every person in the world deserves that particular view, I think. Uh, not, I mean, all right. I've, I've already crossed and. The Rubicon here of uh, perviness, but um, I actually appreciated that there was nudity when there was not sex. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of talking in Oppenheimer, yep. mm-hmm. and you know, either I don't know, I can't remember if that was foreplay because the structure of Oppenheimer is very Christopher Nolan. He he just cannot <laughs> tell a straightforward narrative, and that's fine. Uh, yep. So I don't know if this was the foreplay or this was uh, you know at it the was afterglow. After. It was okay. after. It was definitely the afterglow. It's, it's very serious afterglow. Yes, it's a very, yes, yes. It's a Apparently, state of like the they union. had one one moment of joy, and now let's talk it all out, <laughs> which is kind of appropriate for Oppenheimer. Actually, the more I think about it, so I'm assuming you you love this one. Both films are in the what I think still in the ninety percent on yeah, yeah. Angel, so they yeah. would not apply for either one for my my neck no, of the woods these are mine both of these are mine yes yes of course of course i love this i mean one it's a christopher nolan movie there aren't any christopher nolan movies that i hate and even the ones that are low on his uh Tenet? filmography Tenet? Still, actually just you know what i'm glad you brought that up because i just rewatched it um because i was in a really bad mood uh around that time as many of us were COVID? Uh, yes yes and i was Pandemic. a little annoyed a little annoyed that nolan was like go to the theater i was like people are dying christopher will you chill out please so i yeah, went buddy, watch there's it. gonna be a, a strike uh we'll yeah. need content so you know that's right that's <laughs> maybe right be a little withholding so so i went and watched it again and it's still not like a good movie but it's enjoyable nonsense uh so but even that is enjoyable so i'm a big christopher nolan fan it's kind of hard to go wrong and it's about this great big event 
right? And uh, a lot of people have compared it to JFK for very good reason. I think it has a lot of the same DNA as Oliver Stone's JFK. Um, And it is, I think, Nolan at his most kind of expressionistic in terms of his visuals. Like he's really taking a lot of interesting risks visually here. I mean, I think you can point certainly to Interstellar as also taking some risks, but only in certain sequences. But the first um, the first hour of this is like if A Beautiful Mind was a good movie. Um, so that was pretty That's fantastic. A, not even Christopher <laughs> Nolan can accomplish that. Hold on. That is, <laughs> that is some heavy rhetoric there, Dave. Yes. No, I love this. I mean, I think on a podcast of all things, I, you know, people have asked me like, where do you rank it as far as like Nolan's movies? And I, I don't like doing that so soon after a movie like this because it's just so big and affecting. At least it was to me, like even just sonically, like one of the most affecting film experience I've ever, I've ever had, like almost too much. And I think the people near me were felt like it was too much uh as far as the, sound goes are you talking but... about the dolby atmos like the uh, yeah man rattling their teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was a lot it was a lot but yes i absolutely loved it i think killian murphy turns in like one of the truly great performances of the last decade i think he's perfect and now he can go back to his franchise he can do the third 28 days <laughs> that's all 28 28 months later i guess is what we're up i think to. they're going with years i think they're jumping ahead oh okay um, they're being confident in the world the way you know i don't know why based on how we yeah. handled the pandemic that we'll uh we'll live to see that but uh i'll rank it dave it's below tenant it's oh, worse than Tenet. I, I knew it. I knew it. I I knew you weren't going to like this movie. <laughs> I it's worse, holding... Dave. It's worse. You don't care about it. That's it's nothing. No, actually, I, well, hey, we started with what I care very deeply about, and I I will I'll investigate further. You know, nation to nation, as far as how they handled the talents of Miss Pugh, but. I actually don't know how I feel mm. about it. I I found myself it was this very I was I was like lurching forward and then back with it, which is it goes back yeah. to the structure. Accurate. And I think that yes. bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. because I watched I was certainly like engaged enough to be interested in more Oppenheimer so much so that I mm. came home and I was like okay, what what you know certainly there's got to be documentary, something else I can watch. <laughs> 3 hours wasn't enough. He's like I yeah. need more Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> So it wasn't the length of the film, which normally that would be the big tell for me. It was like, did I just not like the trickery? Did I not like the Mm. song and dance? It felt like Nolan to me was pulling his own prestige thing where he's like, I'm the Mm. magician. I'm going to show you a trick. And I liked it in the prestige because it's dorky. It's about magicians. It's a little trashy, a little pulpy. Uh Here, uh, I don't know how I felt about it as far as like this you know, they keep telling you how important this is, and it's they don't really have to tell you that right, the right. We get it. <laughs> atomic age uh you know shaped your life with hindsight we're you know, we're well aware. Maybe Pretty not clear. as aware as the uh you know, the boomer generation who would climb, you know, under their desks to avoid uh yeah. you know. I, I, I blame that, those teachings on uh, Spielberg's uh, getting uh, Indiana Jones in a uh, refrigerator to survive a <laughs> <That's right. laughs> nuclear blast. Um, I also like. I blame Nolan that I kind of wanted to rewatch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull just for that sequence <laughs> because of Oppenheimer. But to finish my thought, I came home and pulled up Peacock, which is, I believe, your favorite service, and that it's one that you adamantly will not subscribe to. <laughs> I refuse, <laughs> even though your wife is 
a huge Today Show fan. I think there's a Today Show channel that runs 24 hours. She watches it every morning. How much more do you need? I pay for my YouTube TV. Apparently, there's a fandom that will watch it all day long. And she'll uh, listen no. to this. So great. Now I'm going to have to. You're out five bucks. Peacock <laughs> but there is a uh, you know new, I think it's from this year and maybe from the last month, a documentary um, that Christopher Nolan participated in. So I mm. assume. It will be on the disc release yeah. uh, for Oppenheimer. Which you know I will own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is... In and out in 90 minutes. Uh, you get some uh, kind of cool little animation uh, whenever they want to show Oppenheimer. I was digging it. And I'm like, okay, so it's giving me the same information. So I don't want a straightforward retelling. I don't want the just the facts, dragnet mm-hmm. style. So what was it about Oppenheimer? And it's, this is the worst podcast take I can give you. I may have to go back. I may have to go back and watch it again. I don't. I don't know. It's 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 sort of rolling around in my head, and I'm like, is this something three years from now that I'm going to love, or am mm. I going to maintain that muted reaction? Because I recently rewatched Interstellar for another podcast, Trilogy and Theory. Please subscribe, five stars, blah 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 blah. You yeah, got it. Very good show. Um, you should. Listen and I remember definitely. having a muted reaction to Interstellar when it came out. Like, yeah, that was well. There's some you visuals. were wrong then too, Mike. That's a five star movie. This is maybe. <laughs> Um, I still think, you know, justice for Anne Hathaway in that. I don't yes, like how agreed. Miss Hathaway is treated in that film. And that, that's still on rewatch. is like, mm, I don't know yeah, about this. That's so fair. how about this, Dave? Uh, I think women, this might be the best uh, female written roles in a Christopher Nolan joint uh, I mean, with Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh. Jesus mainly Christ, because the bar is on the fucking floor here. Low. <laughs> and they don't get a lot of screen time, but there is at least, uh, you know, oppie. As uh, the fans call him, I guess. That's right. That, was, that happened a lot in that Peacock documentary, and I did not care for that. I felt like <laughs> we we're a little too close with a guy that's been dead. For any of these people who were alive in his presence, um, Oppie comes home and Emily Blunt is a little bit sauced and a little bit sassy. And I'm like, God, what would I kill for another 20 minutes of these sequences? Please, God, more of this. And like, no. not to give anything away, but she has a scene much later in the movie that I could have watched for about 19 mm, hours. Takedown like, scene. Just, just Emily Blunt just going for the jugular. Fantastic. <laughs> Gotta love it. It's Gotta let her cook. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Let her cook. Yes, absolutely. No, I. it's interesting. I watched this movie and, you know, immediately, like, within the first five minutes, like, I was completely engaged. And I thought about it afterwards, mainly because you said your wife in particular was not amused. Tommy uh, Lee Jones. By this this my movie, date. too much buffoonery. <laughs> um And then I thought about it, like, what if I wasn't engaged in, like, the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie? Oh, boy, that's a rough sit. That's that's really rough. And I find it interesting that Nolan, for two hours and 40 minutes, doesn't really hold your hand. Like, it, it strangely, for a three-hour movie, kind of goes at a breakneck pace. It doesn't really take time to explain things. And then you have the—my actually the only thing I— don't like it's not his performance but the script with alden ironreich um where he kind of holds your hand and goes like okay these are the good guys <laughs> and these are the yeah. bad guys jfk yeah. uh just so you know jfk voted against you so you mm-hmm. know you're bad <laughs> this is, uh but speaking of that like robert downey jr holy god i get that that man can act and you forget because he's been locked thought, into marvel for so long like i thought that's what while. you were talking about when you're like nolan is showing you something he's never 
you know, no one's seen, which is Robert Downey Jr. bald character actor. It's like we're, yeah. we've not seen this since what the nineties, mid to by late the 90s. way. This is this is if you're a character actor fan, this is like your catnip because everybody is in this movie. Like, and this is how you know Nolan has an insane amount of power around Hollywood that you get someone like Casey Affleck for like ninety seconds. This movie, like, there's no way that any other director gets everyone here. He's got, um, look. Whoever he wants. He's he's certainly had his own troubles and, and problems, uh, Casey Affleck. So sure. I'm not commenting on that. Self-inflicted, yes. <laughs> I'm not commenting on that. What I'm going to comment on is he has uh, been gifted uh, a voice and uh, eyes to play a creep with oh, seemingly yeah, minimal effort. Minimal effort, I would, and I, I figured would go you'd be down zero. for that. <laughs> you'd be almost... down for that because you know a, a very short statured man, and he comes in, yeah. and you're like, Jesus Christ, he's going to kill me. He's going to he's kill everyone in this room. <laughs> I don't know exactly how he manages that, but he is like while he's sitting and smiling, like it's like it's like talking to a wolf. Like you, he's you're not watching towering his... over you. Nope, he doesn't nope. actually really move. And how many lines does he have? Like, like in a movie, ten. Like yeah. total, like it's, it's pretty impressive stuff. And, but there's a lot of, one of the things I really love about this movie is that, is this quote unquote Oscar bait, I guess, but there's no It will be real, dominated. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna win a lot. Uh, I mean, if Top Gun Maverick um, <laughs> right, was nominated right. for saving theaters, I'm, you know, spoiler alert, I, I believe that uh, not only this, but also Barbie or, you know, we'll get best picture noms. I think they will be yeah, I think so too. throughout the year. Yes, absolutely. But it is a movie that I think with a lesser writer has about nine Oscar speeches and it doesn't really have any, it doesn't have any, okay. like the, go ahead. Well, let's go to the structure because mm-hmm. they, they keep. You know, there's an ebb and flow. They keep cutting in and then back mm-hmm. to different points. So instead of these scenes playing out mm-hmm. uh, as one long monologue, right. it's the whole film is one long conversation, mm-hmm. uh, basically about the, I guess, the worthiness of this particular hero's journey that Oppenheimer goes on. And uh, I mean, you could even look at it as as just an attack on uh, fame in America as well, yeah. as far as how yeah. we build people up, have to tear them down. And then after they're dead and gone, you get a Christopher Nolan movie. And also the government will absolve you of your sins. Right. Like, oh, our bad. Good uh, dude. Little bald, little bald, uh, Danny jr. A little heavy handed, a little aggressive there. Um, so I think, I mean, I think there's a purpose to the structure, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think it, it can certainly be overwhelming and to some maybe overbearing and yes. uh, how it relates that information. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It is one of those movies that and I'm sure you've had this experience where you walk away going like, I love that. But you could also understand that a lot of people are not going to. You're like, OK, this is not going to be. I have a yeah, distinct yeah, memory of people totally. in the aisle with me and Zodiac like laughing and scoffing as soon as it went up when they didn't handcuff the killer. Right. And uh, which was a little strange, given that this is based <laughs> a on a revisionist <laughs> history. I want to know. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if uh, with Oppenheimer, is it going to be something where um, the testing of the bomb uh, doesn't have Indiana Jones uh, flying through the air that they're going to be disappointed? I, I don't know. Um, I was talking with someone at work where it's like, look, it's I didn't really know what to expect from it because there's certainly a build up a literal countdown and then the marketing has been all over that giving you a yep. countdown to the second when great you can marketing watch Oppenheimer. Good Lord. Uh, not mm-hmm. as good as Barbie. No, nope, <laughs> nothing pretty, is nothing pretty is. damn good for a three hour 
talk fest. Dude, okay, let's okay. Pause for one second. The fact that a three-hour talk fest made like cl- anywhere near a hundred million dollars on an opening weekend is insane. I mean, it that's, bested Mission Impossible Seven in two fewer days. What? That is crazy. And throw in the fact that it's not just like there was nothing else to see. There's another movie came out that made like a hundred sixty million dollars. So. It just tells you that the appetite for a night out at the cinema is there. You just have to make original, good, and with variety. Like, it's there. The audience is there, but Hollywood seems to make the mistake of, like, well, we'll just do the same thing. You like thing. Here's thing two. Like, it's just like, no, you have to have... Because say what you will about barbie and oppenheimer both of these films and we'll talk about barbie on another episode but both of these films there we have go. we need to spread out those downloads right. <laughs> both of these both of these films have a distinct vision behind the camera and i think that counts for more than people think right and i think we got used to this like era of comic book movies with the fucking russo brothers you know having no vision whatsoever just you know towing the feige line and it's like no this is like blockbusters can be art too. And that is, that has been nice to see this week. Dave, you mean to tell me that you've not been watching the Russo brothers Citadel on Amazon prime, one of the most expensive TV series. Did not know that existed. Um, (laughs) I also like everyone else have not been watching. What's it called? The fucking, the secret invasion. Is that what it's called? The Sam Jackson thing. I I actually keep forgetting that's on. And I'm somewhat grateful that somehow I've escaped the Marvel algorithms or given their stock price. They're just, uh, they came down and surrendering uh, this. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yes. I've, I've missed out. I did get Citadel. I got that in the theater. I couldn't escape <laughs> that. Um, but I, it didn't cause me to uh, to watch any of it because, uh, you know, I still haven't made it past 10 minutes of their Lord of the Rings thing that they did. I did try that one. But bro, uh, I you you know. And by the way, you should listen to Trilogy and Theory. They just did an episode on Fellowship of the Ring, which is very good and very entertaining where Mike admits that. When he was uh, when that was coming out, he had no idea that it was going to be any good. It's going to be a bomb, guys. This is going to suck. Um, and I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd. I still haven't made it through that goddamn TV show, <laughs> and just, probably won't at this. It's point. It's just you know. sitting there on my Apple TV, like come back, and I'm like, eh, I don't know, guys. <laughs> it's a little. Much. I, I like the point you're making about the vision because uh, Barbie. Okay, um, you know, the IP, Margot Robbie, uh, Ryan Gosling, um, you know, you can point to a lot of different factors where it's maybe more a classic package. And I don't know if certainly Middle America gives a shit for Greta Gerwig's uh, latest joint. But the difference is, you know, they may not know her name, but they're liking like this. This looks more eventful than if they just did just a Barbie movie, just cast a right. blonde actress and put Barbie in the real world and hijinks and, and sue. Totally. Um, we've seen that, I guess, to a certain degree successful. It's like uh, was it Enchanted with Amy Adams a long time ago, which eventually became a sequel. Oh, just yeah, a square yeah, yeah. on Disney yeah. Plus. Yeah. Uh, isn't it uh, romantic? I believe of the rom com yep. version. Um, the best, the and Citizen then- Kane. And Thirteen years going on ago, thirty, Dave. You know oh that one God, is the Citizen Kane. Wasn't there a uh, Anne Hathaway Ella Enchanted uh, too? That was just kind of a similar ish no, thing. You're, you're making yeah. me look bad because that's a justice for cuts. Hathaway. Yeah, you don't even know. <laughs> I don't know if 
I should be proud of that or not. I'm like, you, you should be proud that you don't know that. That's fine. Yeah, I think uh, if I go to work tomorrow and say, hey, guys, I don't know what Ella Enchanted is. They're like, good. Good. <laughs> you good. shouldn't. Yeah, Sounds kind of creepy. something you should know. Uh, but so, Christopher Nolan is a name. Like, I mean, yes, this yes. has a big cast, but I mean, the guy on the poster people be like is that peaky blinders so, you know i don't you know they yeah, don't he's the not a, a household name it's a massive cast but other than downey there aren't stars involved in this movie like not i mean and people, as we you said, recognize downey but, doesn't look like downey matt damon yeah. doesn't really look like matt damon no and and damon has a large ish role but it's not like he's the lead and and be, like you said because it cuts back and forth so much other than oppenheimer there aren't really any main characters i <laughs> tessa's tessa's brother called me and he was like i didn't like that movie and like wanted <laughs> wanted me to explain myself I like this <laughs> essentially <guy. laughs> essentially and you know and one i think one of the issues he had is there's just so many characters in and out like who is this guy who is that guy and and I was talking to Tessa about it later. And I was like, I think the mistake is trying to keep track of that. Like, none of that matters, really. As long as you keep track of the main players, that's... And I don't need to understand physics to understand that he's a genius. And there's there's one line in this movie very early on that's almost a throwaway line that I thought about. And I was like, I think, I think this is the crux of the movie. And it's something like, uh, genius is no guarantee of wisdom. And I heard that and I was like, ooh, that's actually really important because when we're talking about an arms race, you need wisdom. Um, and this is this is a really difficult, obviously a really difficult time in world history. And I think this movie does a really good job of showing you what a difficult choice it is um, to to actually go for this, not to drop the bomb. That's a whole different conversation. But to even start this process, it's like, okay. We know that bad things will happen because of this, but we also know that the most evil group of people in the history of the world, maybe, are trying for this. And if they get it, if the Nazis get it, Hitler is definitely dropping that damn bomb. So we got to do it first. And it and it comes off as kind of understandable. And then because you're going along with the journey at that point, the last hour of this movie is him reckoning with what he's done with what he's made possible. And there is a certain sequence that happens like in a gymnasium that I think is maybe the best thing that Christopher Nolan has ever done. Maybe the best Erroneous. scene he's ever filmed. Morris Pugh earlier well, in the there is the that. Movie. Yeah, that, had nothing, that had nothing to do with Christopher Nolan. Spoiler just, alert. There's just... also a sex scene during this weird sort of deposition, this kangaroo court. That's stuck that amazing. As well. That's another yes. great moment and a surprising yes. moment from Nolan. But that scene, it kind of, it has this interesting mirroring mirroring effect of the bomb versus the um the acceptance and joy at murder that the american public had at this time and it's just so it's one of those moments that's so beautifully staged because there's not a single scene in this movie where Killian Murphy says, like, I feel really bad about what I did. It's so terrible. There's no big grand speech about the, the the evil of men. But you see it all in his face as the movie kind of plods along and moves towards that last hour and a half. You're like, you get it without it being hammered over your head, which is not easy to do in a movie like this full of 
morality and black and white versus gray. And there's no mention of that, which I just absolutely love. I think it takes a little bit of guts to trust your audience that much, especially with a budget this big and trying to be a blockbuster to just go like, okay, I'm leaving it to the actor's face as opposed to the actual words on the page. Well, it's the ultimate, uh, the plays, the thing, uh, which is mm-hmm. what I, probably what I like the most about the movie is that it's, we're doing this thing. We've, as you said, the the red carpet has been rolled out to just mm-hmm. see if we can achieve this because uh, we've removed uh, the functions that say, should we, or should we not? It's like, we, mm-hmm. we have no choice. We can only just move forward on this. And right. then afterwards it will be up to, you know, the powers that be to decide. It'll be up to other people whose job it is to decide the sort of morality of it all. Uh, which you know could make Oppenheimer, especially in these times, a highly unlikable, detestable character. Um, I dug it. I'm not saying I dug what he did. I dug because I, I love stories about just process, and yeah. so it's a, we're just going to focus on the process of this thing without having to, in the moment, have a character say, "You know, this is kind of what I'm thinking about this right, right now." Right. I, I you know I don't I never buy those sequences and. And actually, like, think about it from just like a, like a, a creative standpoint. I remember, uh, I think it was maybe on a Letterman episode, uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, I think he was getting shit from the host because he just asked a softball question, like, you know, you know, how, what do you think of these movies? Or you like these type of movies? Talking about one that Depp himself was in, he's like, oh no, I don't watch anything that I'm in. And he's like, you know, watch any of it? And he's like, well, you know, after my job's done, it's not really my business. And one could look at that as like, well, that's kind of a cool detachment, right? Like, I just come in, I just do my thing, and then I leave it up to the audience. But, and I know there's a huge difference between Johnny Depp and Oppenheimer in a lot of ways. But the other aspect of it is <laughs> kind of bullshit. And, you know, I'll take up for a star of Secret Invasion, Samuel Jackson, who has the opposite approach. Who's he like, does. I'll watch it all. Whenever I, I'm, I'm, you know, clicking through the... the TV set and I see a movie of mine that's on, I stop and watch it. Cause I fucking love to watch my, Like I'm only in movies that I want to see made. Like right. why would I be in them if I didn't want to watch them? Totally. And what do you think as far as Oppenheimer as a 2023 um, figure or, or character? I know granted this is well-trodden ground as far as for historical context, like basically what he wrought uh, upon the world. Mm-hmm. But do you think that the audience will accept, well, this, he had to perform this this process. He had to be this function because there's enough setup to say, well, someone else is going to do it. So we right. need to have that I, power. I think so. Um, you know, there's always going to be there's always going to be groups of people that are going to find something to be upset about. Um, and there are already people online who are like very upset. I mean, this is the most left field thing, but very upset that they didn't show any Japanese people in this. So you wanted to see death and destruction and melted skin and what happens when a nuclear bomb goes off? That's, I mean, the whole point is he can't deal with what he has wrought. There's a sequence where they are watching what happened and he can't look. I think that says everything you need to know about Oppenheimer. And if you walk away from this being like, where are the Japanese people? One, um, I think you're kind of sick. Um, And two... There are actually probably about 10 to 15 movies by Japanese directors about this. So if you want that perspective, don't leave it to the pasty white guy from London <laughs> to show that to you. Do your own goddamn research and actually look yeah. into cinema history. Get a peacock 
subscription, just that's like right, I did. That's right. God damn it. One thing, one thing I thought of while I was watching this movie, as far as I, I love that you were like watching this, and at some level, we're like, Dave's gonna fucking love this shit. This mm-hmm. <laughs> nonsense. Yep. And I had a similar experience, whereas when they were starting their process, and they had the whole thing with like the marbles, you know, all that filling everything up, I was like, this is. This movie is a lot of things, to be fair, but it's also kind of a heist movie. Mm. Like, you have all these specialists, all these specialists going through and like, this is what I can do, this is what I can do, and them finding a way to work together. There are moments of this that feel like Soderbergh, and then there's moments that are, you know, like the greatest biography film ever made, and then there's parts of it that are fantastic quote-unquote action sequences just the sound like that test sequence is amazing it's so great uh not only sonically but visually i think they do a really good job of showing truly the impact of what this is going to do without um without just burrowing into the morbidity of what's going to actually happen but you see the impact physically on the earth as opposed to on human beings which i think is such a smart decision you're at the uh, the the first test here. Uh, do you stick around, Dave, or you just get uh, wait for a memo to come through? You wait for yeah, them to dictate it later. I don't think I feel comfortable turning my back and just laying on the ground, dude. I was watching this and I was like, just this little sheet. This is all we're. I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here, dude. This is Dave is it's making not me uncomfortable just being in a theater decades right? later watching a film version of this. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. Yes. What did you think of? So I had heard one of the few things I had heard about before going to this movie is that the the scenes in black and white are objective and the scenes in color are subjective. Mm. Do, do you feel like that read? Did, did you ever feel like it was hard to understand, hard to follow why there was different processes going on? I mean, I did. No, I mean, but... I mean, it's a pretty... Um... Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it's it's certainly not breaking new ground as far as trying to cue in to the the different periods. Even if we're going to cross over, mm-hmm. basically the same subject matter, sometimes the same questions, just at different mm-hmm. points uh, in their lives. Uh, no, I, I didn't have uh, any sort of uh, issue with that. Uh, you actually pointed out the only bit of, I guess, the structure that really bothered me, which is having a character sort of wrap it up in a bow, like "Ha ha, Danny Jr., you're lost." I'm like, you have Robert Downey Jr. You can probably get that across just with his face. That's. I mean, that's I think it, it. I think it had already come across, yeah. like with him freaking out and like you'll get your pictures and all that stuff. And and I do want to repeat that I think Aaron Reich's performance is very good, um, but it's just so on the nose that you're like, okay, he's kind of got the. A, uh, you know, I want to shout out uh, Robert Forster from the preferred mm. psycho Gus Van Sant's. Uh, he's, he's got the, the uh, Forster. Hey, hey, I don't go, know. Go back and find that episode on this feed, download it, and make your own assessment. <laughs> That's Listen, right. That's give us good. the yeah. He, he's got to come in at the very end and kind of you know wrap it up for us because I I don't know if they're thinking this has been so much talky that they're not going to know when hey this yeah. is this is coming to a conclusion. Uh, you would think it would be the big uh, you know MCU. Um, cameo appearance of uh, Albert Einstein. You know, the, if this was a Marvel movie, they would be losing their shit, pointing at the screen like, there Whoa! he is! <laughs> Look at his hair! It's just like his hair! Uh, but that brings up uh, an interesting point, and obviously I won't give this away, but both movies of this Barbenheimer weekend have just amazing closing lines. Mm. Both of them end so well and fit their particular movies absolutely perfectly. 
And, you know, just closing in on the kind of haunted eyes of Killian Murphy to end this movie is kind of the perfect way to end a movie like Oppenheimer. It is not a movie full of hope. Certainly, there's a lot that it kind of drags you down with purposefully, and I think it doesn't. And that's well. how you wanted to finish your oh, night, Dave. Yeah, so I can just give up and go to bed and start over again tomorrow. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> well, we're going to start over with our very next episode because we can't. We're not allowed to do double features. I even, I'm trying to raise the numbers for the Psycho one, which did not tank as much as our apocalypse now and boondock saints documentary which admittedly that was pretty there, dumb there's <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason guys yes absolutely so if you enjoyed this uh come back for the next installment of the barbon armor weekend where we have some fun and we get really pink and joyous it'll be great Something she-